Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section for a free trial. It's the first TWIP of 2015, and is 2015 the year of wearable tech? And a French newspaper removes all images in support of photographers. It's Monday, January 5th, 2015, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. It's a very special twip today. This is not only am I horse and I'm still doing the show, but this is the first twip of 2015. And joining me to discuss some of the cool stuff that's going on this first week in uh, the world of photography are Miss Valerie Jardin and Mr. Alex Lindsay finally on the show. Hey guys, hey. how you doing? Hey guys. Hey, it's good to be here. It is good to have you. Alex, we got to start with you. Valerie's on the TWIP network and is always on air. Everybody knows her. She's a veteran. Alex Lindsay is like you the Lewis and Clark. It's, it's been a while. It's, you might it's have been to a while. Like, you know, people understand who I, you know, I, you know, I used to be on, on the show every once in a while. <laughs> Until you got all famous and stuff, you know. Alex, you're like the George Washington of TWIP, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, and I would be the Obama. I'm just saying. You know? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Does that, does that separate us by age as well? And they, my back's starting to hurt already. Four score. Yeah. All right. So Alex, what's, what's been going on in the world of Lindsay, man? What's happening? Well, I mean, you know, so more of the same, I think, than from the last time I was there. I mean, we, I, uh, you know, Pixelcore has been doing, you know, we're doing some tra training, but a lot of live streaming, and so we've been doing a lot of hangouts. I think we figured out that over the last three years, we've done a little over 800 <laughs> hangouts so somehow we stack those right up um, uh, wow. not just hangouts for ourselves I mean obviously yeah. but, but for other folks and um, and then uh, and and then we've done a lot of live streaming so really complex events you know uh, most of what people bring us in to do is stuff that you know it's hard for it's just very complex you know a lot of different moving parts um, things that you know, generally can't fail. You know, so so it's that's us keeping us busy. The school in Rwanda, uh, the ADMA, um, Af Africa Digital Media Academy, is growing. We uh, we are and just just well wait before you continue with that. That is a school that you built from the ground up, right? I mean, you there was like yeah. nothing there, and you built an academy there. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it's and it's a it's a really I have to admit that it is uh it's kind of my dream little playhouse. It's in the building, you know, so it's not. It's not done yet, but it's it just keeps on getting better. So we have we started off with about 35 students. We're now at uh, about 160 students with a goal uh, by the middle of this year to be at about uh, um, about 300 students. And then by the January of next year, we're trying to get to 600. And then by January 27 uh, 2017, about 1,000 students. And so so we're kind of slowly scaling you know that process. And now we have a motion capture system. We've got course great cameras and and green screen and and uh, you know 40 IMAX with iPads for each one of them and and the students are doing great um, you know a lot of them are already 
building their own companies. Some of them are building their own companies in Rwanda. I mean, really, there's not a lot of other folks doing this kind of training. So once they get the skills, they're they get busy really quickly. And so, yeah. um, and we're about to do some do some work down there. So it's uh, it's really exciting, you know. And we're, we've been doing um, some live streaming for the president's office down there, and working with a lot of the um, you know the ministries of uh, youth and ICT and a, a variety of other. Uh, groups and so it's 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 obviously one of the things I'm most excited about. So yeah. I just got back in the, in December and uh, going back in in March and and hopefully a lot a lot more this uh, this year. So um, anyway, so we've been working on that and uh, moved to uh, I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Moved home. That's where I grew up. Yep. And uh, so I live outside outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, so you'll probably see more photography uh, that I'm doing that is out in the middle of nowhere and also taking advantage of being in the middle of nowhere, which means that now I can fly a drone and do all kinds of fun stuff without having to worry about hurting anybody. So um, That's awesome. And, yeah. and Alex, where we leave you, how's, uh, how's MacBreak Weekly and the, the other shows that you appear on going? MacBreak Weekly is doing great. Uh, I think, you know, it's still on the Twit Network and doing, you know, doing fantastic. Uh, we also have uh, Mac, MacBreak uh, Studio is still running, and that's with Mark Spencer and, uh, and, and Steve Martin. And they're, I mean, it's just such a great show. I, I, I watch it, you know, very often when I'm trying to figure out how to do something in, yeah. in Final Cut, the new Final Cut, because it's mostly Final Cut 10. We started a Final Cut virtual user group, which is five or six of us answering questions. And something I want to, you and I need to talk more about, you know, with photography. But basically, yeah. uh, it's a roundtable that we've kind of built this very high-tech roundtable that we, that we use to talk about uh, Final Cut. And so it's kind of an experimental way to do a different kind of user group. So, so we're um, experimenting with that. You can find it on YouTube, uh, just Final Cut Virtual User Group. And, uh, and then we're threatening, I know it's hard to believe, that this spring we're finally going to bring back This Week in Media. You know, I took it off because it felt like things weren't moving fast enough. And now everything, like everything in media, I just started too early. Very <laughs> cool. Or I didn't stick with it, you know, whatever. And so now, uh, so there's so much going on right now in the media. Uh, we may we may bring back uh, this week in media in February, March. So uh, work it through. Awesome. That. Yep. Well, good. Lots of stuff going on. And I got to tell you, I remember the last time you and I spoke about Final Cut. I think we were at some gig somewhere, and you were editing something, and I was peeking over your shoulder, and I poo-pooed it. I was like, ah, whatever. There's no timeline. I am now converted to Final Cut. Just so. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things. You you, you know, people like they talk about it and they poo-poo it, and you're just like, okay, sure. You know, we'll see how that works for it. You know, because it's just such a once you get over the way it used to be or the way you think it should be, it is so fast. You know, you you're able to edit so much faster than than what I was at least able to do in the past. And I've worked in Premiere and Avid and and uh, in Final Cut 7, and and you know, all of them they all have their strengths. I, I would still probably do a big feature film in Avid. Um, but but I think that uh, Final Cut 10 is you know for what we do, yeah, uh, it, it just it just saves us over and over and over again. I don't even know how to do most of the kind of editing that we do on anything other than Final Cut 10. I love it. I love it. Cool. Yeah, and the, there's just so many tools out there for us. I mean, there's not like you know it's not like Final Cut is the end all be all. I mean, there's still After Effects. There's iMovie. There's Premiere Pro, CC. There's all these different tools that that depending on how your brain is wired may work better for you. So right. it's you know, it's it's not a one-trick pony or one one performer show anymore. Absolutely. All right. Also on the show is Miss Valerie Jardin. She's the host of Street Focus on the This Week in Photo Network. Valerie, it's an honor to have you on my show finally. <laughs> Thank you. I still have to have you on mine. <laughs> I know. What's going on in your world? Well, I mean, you, well, it's, uh, you're at well, home, it looks like. You're not in Paris. No, I'm leaving actually in just a few. Um, well, by the time this show is 
gonna air. It's gonna be in just in a few days till I go back to Paris and start the first workshop of the year. So it's starting uh, really early this year, but I'm excited. I have four workshops in Paris this year, so I had to start a little earlier. And I start with just a weekend, which is really fun because uh, you know my week-long workshops. It's mostly people come coming from Australia and the U.S., Canada, South Africa, and now it's mostly European. So they're coming from. Switzerland, Sweden, Germany, the UK. So it's a whole different uh, different audience. So I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, I don't know what happened since last time we talked. Karen Hutton announced that she's coming to Paris in May. So uh, that's mm -hmm. probably the something that happened shortly after my last twi trip appearance. And uh, so that's going to be exciting. She's going to be in the big city. The landscape yeah. photographer who's going to shoot street photography. And so, she will she will also be joining you as the host of our landscape show, by the way. So that's right. So we're, we're it's going to be fun because we're probably going to do a, a street focus episode there. She's going to do one of her chat um, shows. So it's just going to be a blast for whoever is on that workshop. I think there's one or two spots left only. So if you're a fan of Karen Hutton and you want to join her for a week in Paris, grab the last spot. Absolutely. And that's in May, I think, 23rd to the 28th. Excellent. May 23rd yeah. through 28th. Excellent. That's going to be good. I wish I could go this time. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just quickly from me before we jump into the show, uh, we're kicking off a TWIP webinar series uh, this year. I think the first one is next week, actually. It's with uh, fashion photographer Lucas Passmore. Be uh, a live event, obviously. You will we'll promote it. You'll be able to sign up and come in and listen to Lucas present on how to become a fashion photographer. And then the week after that, Julio Shorio will be on talking about 4K video for still photographers. So he'll do a whole hour-long presentation on soup to nuts, how to, you know, as a still photographer, how do you think in video? And then on the other side of it, the forward-thinking side of it is how do you shoot and extract stills from that to actually create viable pieces of art that you can then sell to a client or, you know, do your own stuff with. So all that's that's coming up. We're launching two new shows. We've got The Fix with Jan Kabili. It's all about post-processing. And then we've got another show called Twip Emerge with Julio Shorio again, um, which is all about the sort of forward-thinking side of photography, like drones and, and 4K video like we mentioned, underwater photography, you know, just anything that's James Bondy and geeky, he'll be covering in that show. So definitely stick around to check that out. All right, guys, before we uh, jump into the show, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo. That's our friends over at lynda.com. Today, I'd like to personally talk about our friends over at lynda.com. The new year is here, and it's time to learn something new and improve your skills. lynda.com is here to help. They're used by millions of people around the world and have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as training on software like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. And all of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the website every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, invest in a new hobby, or find a new job, or improve on your current job skills, lynda.com has something for everyone. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com slash twip 
And with that, you'll get unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone or Android mobile devices. Plus, you'll get access to new courses added each and every week. And some of the courses and videos I recommend are, there's one called Foundations of Photography, Exposure and Composition. It's a must-have to round out your education and knowledge of the basics of photography. Plus, there's one called The Practicing Photographer, also very good to round out your basic knowledge of how actual photographers are doing things these days. And my favorite so far is one called the Traveling Photographer Series, and that's with Mr. David Hobby. And one in particular that I've watched twice already, he does in Seoul, South Korea. So if you've ever considered going to that region, watch this video or these series of videos, and you'll be ready to go the next day. So Try to do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash twip. And I personally challenge you to learn something new this new year. Once again, that's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash twip. And here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. Over on All About the Gear, Doug Kay and I discuss the camera hits and misses of 2014. And over on Your Itinerary, there's some cross-processing going on. Mr. Rob Knight interviews Street Focus host Valerie Jardin. And I'd also like to officially announce that we're now taking on signups for the first TWIP in Costa Rica adventure. That's going to happen April 25th through 28th. Myself, along with Mr. Rob Knight, will be taking a small group down there to shoot and enjoy the tropics. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, let's jump right into the news here. The first story is about wearables. So, you know, uh, Bruce Clark, our show notes writer, put this in, and I, I totally agree with him uh, for us to talk about. It's the whole idea of uh, wearable technology taking off in 2015. I mean, we've already got Google Watches from several manufacturers that run the Android mobile operating system, and then we've got Apple coming out with the Apple Watch, which, you know, I'm sure will sell one or two. And then last year, year before, there was the whole talk about Google Glass and all that stuff. So we've got Alex on the show here who might know a thing or two about wearable technology. And I know you own Google Glass too, Alex. So first of all, on the Google Glass side of things, is Glass dead? Is it dead on arrival or is it just hibernating? I think it's hibernating. I, I think that also I think that they need to find the right market. I think that the having consumers run around at bars and, and you know, shoot stuff may, may have been a little rough. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, and, and, and even for, uh, for me, you know, I, I, I always think, think about if I'm wearing glass, where, where am I going to wear, you know, where am I going to wear it? You know, I don't just simply just put it on and just decide I'm just going to wear it out everywhere. It's yeah. usually in specific places and times that I want to wear it for specific reasons. Now in the early days when I first got glass, I have to admit that it was, it was definitely part of it. Was it was a conversation builder? You know that you know you you put it on and it was new and people would just walk up to you, especially at a technology conference or when we were doing productions. Me wearing it would 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 bring people out of the woodwork, and I met a lot of really interesting people, you know, who are interested in talking about it. Yeah. 
And so, and so it was actually worth every penny just for the people that I met and everything else that are interested because a lot of times, and, and a lot of times when you wear what you're interested in on your sleeve, you do attract people, you know, that, that are going to talk to you about whatever you're doing. So it's always a good thing to think about in general. Uh, I think that it was very easy to, to um, you know, people to get the wrong impression with people and, and do inverse networking, which is, you know, yeah. putting it on in the wrong places or, or places that people are going to be more sensitive and, and so on and so forth. And so I think that uh, those are things that people, you know, and this is a new technology. People are going to experiment with it, and people are going to do the wrong things with it as they learn how to do it. I, I will say that there's still, in my opinion, and I have almost every option, <laughs> um, there is no other head-mounted kind of uh, thing that's, that is as good as cam like a POV camera that you can just wear and take pictures or video of something that you're working on, you know. So, a lot of times with my kids, I'd be out, you know, a lot of times I would wear my glass, for instance, when I was out with my kids taking a walk, you know, because it was really fun that they would be doing something funny or whatever, and you're not fumbling around trying to find the camera app on your phone or you're, or you're pulling out your camera or whatever. You lose the moment. You literally would just see something great happening say, okay, glass, you know, you know, take a bit, you know, take a picture, you know, okay, glass, you know, you know, and, 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 and you're just saying that and it just captures that moment as it's happening or you tap it quietly you know to start it you know to you know to or squeeze it quietly to get it to go there's something about that that was really cool yeah i also think that that for documenting how to do stuff it is amazing you know like, like yeah, see, that's the thing that you you mentioned you hit on two hot topics for me and the first one is you know i have i have glass and the problem with glass, for me at least, was I, it's a great technology, and obviously it's you know it's it's a harbinger of things to come. But you know, I when when I put on my Google Glass, I become the guy wearing Google Glass, right? right. It's not like you can blend, and you know, it's I also become a de facto salesperson slash tutorial video for anybody that's interested in glass. Right? I had so, more pictures of myself. I had more self-portraits of myself because I put it on somebody else and I go, okay, now just say, you know, okay, glass, take a picture. And, and then I get, there's all these pictures of me going, like, 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 you know, like, like, like doing this thing as, as they're, as they're learning how to use Google Glass. And so, yeah, that was definitely part of the, yeah, part of, yeah. Part of the process. Well, Valerie, another another one of these uh, wearables that hit in uh, you know the last year or so was a company called Narrative. They were named Momento, and they recently unveiled a second generation of their wearable, what they call a wearable life blogging camera, called the Narrative Clip Two. And essentially, what this thing is, uh, you put it on and it records everything all the time. Right. So, so, you know, it's almost like one of the cop keep them honest cameras that they put in the cars, but this one's taking photos and taking eight megapixel pictures at whatever increment all the time. So then you can step back in time and you don't really miss anything. Right. There's never the moment where you say, oh, man, I wish I had a shot of that. You got something, even if it's not the perfect shot. So two questions for you, Valerie, looking at this and the whole sort of movement towards this always on wearable tech you being you're the perfect person to ask this to because you're like i mean you you kick and scream just like using anything digital so <laughs> so i mean what do you when you look at this are you like oh jesus too much just give me my pen and paper and i'm done or what <laughs> well no and i mean yeah i'm I, I look at the Apple Watches and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, that's really tempting, but I'm already so addicted to my iPhone, it's embarrassing, and I sure don't need anything else that's going to 
get my attention. Uh, yeah, but that's, as, what, that's what people said before the iPhone came I out. I know, I know, and I'm I like, resisted I have, for a I'm long still time. addicted to my StarTac. I don't need anything else. <laughs> I mean, I was on Twip, and I still hadn't converted to a smartphone because I wanted my time without being online, being on Facebook, and just reading a book. Uh, yeah. Now I don't have that because it's just with me all the time. And um, now for the camera, I have my wearable camera. It's hanging on my wrist all the time, and it's my Fuji. So uh, <laughs> I sure yeah. don't need one of those little clip-on because I usually have my camera with me all the time. And I can see that being fun for kind of a diary, like a journal. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously it's not going to you're not going to be composing your pictures. It just takes them like every so many minutes or something, or do you actually tell it to take the picture? It sounds like it's on a timer almost. It's, it's like a timer, yeah. You can yeah. set it to, to to grab a frame every whatever increment. And I think that would be that would be fun for you to keep as a as a journal. But are people going to start putting all those pictures on Facebook and social media? I mean, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go on record now. So you, if you're thinking about that, don't. I'm gonna unlike you so quickly. Valerie, I'm gonna get a cat and strap it to the cat. There you go. Oh, well, well that might be exciting. Yeah, have you seen some of the ones? Though, though, I think that when you start recording some of this stuff, I think you do end up capturing things that you don't expect. I, I don't know. You know, there's they now have a harness for a uh, dog for GoPros. Yeah. And, yeah. and so. They had, um, there was a couple of different things. One is, of course, you just suddenly see what dogs do. You put this thing on and off it goes, and you see your dog does things you didn't expect but to you do. You see dog butts all day. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. But, and, um, uh, but, but the the uh, the other one was, of course, someone put a bunch of GoPros, I think, in their house to see what their dog does when, they, when they're gone. Mm-hmm. And all they got was that the, the dog spends the first 15 minutes trying to figure out if they're going to come back or not, looking out all the windows, and then just sits glumly on the, on the, you know, like waiting for them. And then, and then runs out, and it was very sad. You know, like, like then I realized that, that, you know, and, and I think that there are so many things that, um, that, are, that we're going to start seeing. And, and I love slow-mo photography, and I also love time-lapse, because I think yeah. that when you expand and compress time, you see things that you just wouldn't, normally see my kids think the slow-mo on my iPhone is the best thing I mean there my my daughter constantly wants to jump off of something so that I can take slow-mo or do something you shake her head or whatever yeah. she constantly wants slow-mo and but I also think that if, if you I, I, yeah, I'm sure you played with the hyperlapse with uh, oh yeah yeah and and there's just so many things about you know capturing these things that I think that you know whether it's the problem with the narrative clip is I just feel like you're just gonna get this big jumbly mess of of stuff, but I, you know, and I don't know if I really like the Google Glass. I don't know if I really want to be around people who are constantly taking photos. You know, I, I, you know, it's, you know, that constant capturing. Even though we're, in some ways, I think it's good because we're constantly being captured anyway. You, know, you walk outside in, in many major cities, and you're under surveillance at some sure. at some point in some way. But I think there's something very personal about that, and there's also always concerns, as you know, with Google Glass. Is the microphone on? Or are you gonna? You know, you know, so the, I had to constantly be taking it off because people just yeah. didn't want to start talking about anything until they, until the Google Glass was. And you could be recording it some other way, but that was very, you know, it was a very obvious. Uh, yeah, it's a camera. Know, it's pointing. Yeah, I remember. I remember. You do you guys remember this uh, pen? I, <laughs> excuse me. I think they still sell them. It's called the. Uh, I think it was called the Inscribe, and it was it was a pen that would record audio and everything you wrote. 
so right. that later you could tap on something you wrote and it would play the audio from that segment, you know, ideally for like reporters or kids sitting in lectures, you know, that kind of thing. And I had one. I remember buying one from Best Buy many years ago and I was sitting, I was still in corporate America. I was sitting in a meeting and people were like, hey, Frederick, is that pen, uh, is it recording what we're saying? <laughs> you know, so you become the guy. And I was like, well, no, it's not. I turned it off. I said, absolutely not. It's not recording. But then I thought, do you really want to be the potential source of leaks when when something leaks? And then people say, well, you know, Alex was in the room with Google Glass. I'm just saying. I don't know. Right. right. right? No, absolutely. And, I, and so I think that there's I think that a lot of times uh, there's still a lot of social. I mean, we may get to a point where no one cares anymore, but I think yeah. that the narrative clip and the Google Glass, just wearing it every day, all day, you know, I think that you definitely get into positions where people aren't ready for that yet. They're not ready to, you know, have that there. I think that there are many, many great, um, you know, uh, opportunities to uh, to take advantage of it. I think, you know, when you think about where you put little cameras on, whether it's on a foot, like I would love to see one on a football player, you know, like a little, like a little camera right on to the side of their, like inside their helmet or whatever, so that they couldn't see it, but you could just see what they're looking at. Like when the center gets down there, what is his, what does it look like for a game? Absolutely. You know? and, like that kind of stuff. So I think that there's a lot of places where we can experiment with it. And I also think when you talk about it for industrial uses and educational uses, it's just massive. Like when you think about doing a two-way conversation, we did some tests with this, um, uh, where you have two two glass, you know, two you know two people wearing glass, and and each of them can see. Like if you're trying to train someone how to use a camera, for instance. They're both looking at the same camera, and one saying, "Okay, now do this," and the other one's doing it. And go, no, 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 no. Point. Oh, this is what you want to look at. And there's a lot of like POV things that can be done. There's a lot of great ways to record. This is how you turn these dials. I mean, literally, all I do is take a, take a picture. You know, take a take a video, and or record a video. And now I'm sitting there just showing someone how to push the buttons to do something. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's you know and and again capturing moments that you just wouldn't have it. And I think that that's what's there. I don't. I've never been a big fan of the whole shotgun, um, shotgun recording, you know, like you'd see with the narrative. I, you know, I, I feel like there's something about it that you want to be, I want to take a picture of this. In fact, I send a lot of people out when we're studying surfaces for 3D to go take pictures of them, not because they're going to use those images, but because it forces their mind to look at, you know, waterlogged wood, you know, or or something, and, and the framing of it and the taking of the picture is actually a cognitive process that has you think about something that you wouldn't normally think about. And yeah. I, I think that's one thing that's powerful about photography. I think just grabbing a bunch of images around you, 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 might, you might get something that's good, but I think it's the actual, when you pull the trigger, you know, on your camera, you know, when you, when you push that button down, there's a, there's a cognitive process if you're really thinking about it that doesn't occur when you're just taking a whole bunch of photos or you're, you know, you're, you're really thinking about, I'm trying to capture that, that split second that, that tells that story. I think that's where we see great photography. Yeah. No, Valerie, like this, this narrative thing, right? I was thinking when I read this story, I was thinking about you like roaming around the streets of Paris and doing yours like from the hip photography, you know, or you're trying on the slide, get the shot. Would something like this appeal to you? Like, you know, if you, because it, it on the, like, you know, on the far side of it, the far right side, the camera goes in, into the bag. Now you're just walking around, you know, kind of capturing the scene, yeah. albeit with no decent composition, probably. Exactly. But. I mean, how could you? I mean, you still, I don't do the machine gun approach either. So I usually only take one or two frames. So here it would be kind of uh, shot in the 
dark because yeah. you don't you can't compose. But no, to go back to Google Glass, I was actually hoping they would start making them available to the public, but a little less conspicuous, like they would be less obvious and yeah. using them for education as you know to uh, so that people could see what I see when I'm shooting street and mm -hmm. doing recordings of that as tutorials and that's yeah. what I was I was hoping Google Glass was going to go and actually I mentioned it a few few days ago with my kids I was like, what happened to Google Glass I mean that was what two years ago three years ago mm -hmm. and still nothing on the market available that seems like a long time yeah, yeah. Well, in technology, you know, it's like dog ears, right? <laughs> so, yeah. well, and there's an Epson and a couple other companies have have made huge strides strides in the industrial market because a lot of people really want heads up displays. Some of them also moved into the sports market when you're running to be able to get all kinds of data. Um, so there, a lot of them are moving. We're not seeing them in the public, but we are seeing them in industrial areas where it seems to make a lot of sense. Okay. I think we'll see cool. more of that, and and that, I think that they found that's a place where it's okay to have the camera. You know, that's the kind of place that it's going to, and, and I think we might see more, you know, I think, you know, when you, when you have regular glasses, you can literally make the frames just a little thicker and they can on both sides and you can really get something that does a lot of what Google Glass does. And there's definitely a lot of those that have been out for a little while. Yeah. Now, Alex, I want to ask you, you know, what about the Apple Watch? Are you, are you going to be on that train or what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Reluctantly? No. Well, I mean, no, no. It's, it's. I, the funny thing is, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm in this relationship with my watch. I, 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 I like my watch, the watch that I have right now. Um, I have a Citizen uh, EcoDrive, and, and, uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's a really nice watch. <laughs> and I yeah. feel like telling them, it's not you, it's not you, it's not, you know, I'm just, you know, I haven't even, you know, I haven't really met her yet, but I have a feeling that I'm gonna leave you, you know, you know, and then I'll still come back every once in a while. We can spend weekends together, you know. It's like one of those things, you know. But I've had the same watch. I've been with this watch for like 10 years, you know, or 15, almost 15 years, and uh, then I just feel like, just, just like, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I, I really do love you. It's not like you did anything wrong, but. Going, yeah, you know? yeah still, Alex, you're like, on a slippery slope, man, because you're like, it's not like you did anything wrong. We've been together. You've been faithful all this time, but there's a hotter, newer model out that I want to get my hands on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't even know if she's going to work yet, but, I, you know, it's like. <laughs> I got her from a dating site. She's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's called Apple, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so I think that, you know, the, the, the issue is I think that I, I've been waiting for kind of, I love heads-up displays of, of not having to, you know, being able to get, you know, gather a lot of that information, um, you know, and be able to have that as part of what I'm doing. And and I actually, what I like about the, the idea of the watch is that not that it'll let me do more that's electronic, but actually that it'll let me do less, where I'm pulling out my phone less to just get updates or, or whatever. I don't have to, you know, I'm using it to, to do things quickly. I, I also have started to play with Apple Pay and the idea of just taking my watch and clicking on it instead of having to pull out, you know, I, I know this is not, the right show for this to in too much detail, but but when you start using Apple Pay, every time it, what's what's interesting about the the mind process is that you start using Apple Pay and then and then every time you pull out your credit card, it feels like a it seems super insecure. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm just handing people my credit card number mm -hmm. all the time, and it's just really annoying. You know, like it's just that you, you you can't just tap it. You know, you get used to Whole Foods or you get used to Walgreens and you just tap yeah. on it. And, and like literally now, whether it's Walgreens or, you know, if I have to choose between Walgreens, CVS or Rite Aid, I just go to Walgreens because I can tap and the other ones I'm going to have to pull out my credit card, you know, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think that that's the, and I think that, you know, uh, there's so many really, and I'm interested, I haven't been, I want, I love 
fit. I had a Nike wristband, you know, the Nike. Um, uh, can't think of the name of it at the moment, but yeah, yeah. I had that wristband, and and I uh, and it, you know, it, it died, <laughs> and I was going to get another one, but I knew the the rumors had begun on the Apple Watch, and I'm really interested in having the whole package. I can take, yeah. I can have my fitness band, I can have a watch, I can pay my bills, <laughs> I can, you know, like all those things in one place, and and it's not any smaller or lighter than the watch I have now, so it's not like I don't. There's no adjustment there on my end, other than. Needing to charge it, yeah. You know, and so, yeah. so I think yeah, that yet it's... another device to charge. But I'm on the same boat. I know I'll try to resist, and I I'll get sucked right in. I know. Well, I think that there's so many opportunities. Like when you think about being photog- like self, like like your selfies or or pictures of groups, you you know you're gonna be able to take your iPhone and just hook it up somewhere, or even a phone eventually, and tap on your watch and have it fire off the you know, and, and eventually someone's gonna tie that into your your Nikon or your Canon. So you can sit there and tap your watch, and you're gonna get a it's gonna be able to take a picture. You know, yeah. And those are the kind of things. And you're going to look back after things like that. You're going to look back on the days of setting the timer and running around and all that stuff is clean. Yeah, those that'll be like, oh yeah, Granddad used to do that. Wow. <laughs> my, there was a there was a commercial on. You know, you know, you're getting old when there's a commercial. My my son's seven, and there was a commercial for CDs. You know, it was like CDs from you know songs from the 80s or 70s or something like that with Donny yeah. Osmond and. And uh, it was, we were just going through it, and it showed the CDs, and my 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 son was like, "What is that?" Like 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 he, didn't, he was like he was like fascinated by like, "What would you do with that?" And I'm like, "Oh, music." And he's like, "You mean to download?" And I'm like, "No, no, you would actually play it on the disc." And he just looked at me, kind of, he looked at me kind of confused, like, "Why would you?" Why would you do that? You know, you know, he just he just didn't understand. You know, and I think times that, times are a change. And Valerie, what about you? Are you uh, are you gonna dive into the world of wearables with an Apple Watch or an Android or whatever? No, nope, probably not. I'll just stick to my iPhone. Uh-huh. <laughs> as long as, yeah, it's still, well, as long as it still fits in my pocket. No, no, listen to this. IPhone. You said, well, I want to mark this show. This is TWIP, what, 394 we're on? <laughs> so next year this time, I'm going to ask you the same question. And you're going to be like, well, it works awesome. I just love my Apple Watch. <laughs> I might. But right now, it's just uh, phones are getting bigger, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe that's why we're going to need the watches, because we won't be able to carry the phones anymore. Yeah, there you go. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's move on. To, uh, story number two is about the French newspaper Liberation, and I hope hopefully Valerie can help me pronounce that correctly. Um, it, they are po- publishing, or they publish an edition that is completely devoid of photography in a effort to bring awareness to the fact that, you know, those jobs are being cut in the industry and being replaced, you know, the the on-staff photographers are being replaced by crowdsourced photographies and or inexperienced people that are armed only with smartphones and, and similar devices to do all the news gathering and generate, quote, professional photography. So first of all, Valerie, I'm going to throw it to you. Yes, because it's French, and yes, secondly, because I don't know how to pronounce the name of the the, uh, <laughs> the publication. So how do you pronounce the name of the publication, and what do you think about this move? Uh, it's Liberation, and we all we always refer to it as Libé, uh, and it's a very very well known paper. It's um, it's not politically affiliated, but it's definitely uh, it has a left wing slant. It's uh, it's very popular, um, and it's been around since the early 70s, I think. So it's wow. it's not a new paper. Um, so I'm not surprised. I mean. But is that going to do anything? You know, I mean, didn't we go through this here two a couple of years ago? And and uh, 
yeah, the staff photographers and newspapers at a dying breed. Uh, seems like it. I don't yeah, know if I would like recommend. I mean, I, so, sometime um, some people email me and said, oh, I think I want to be a photojournalist. And I'm thinking, well, you know, cautious, you know, proceed with caution because is I really going to be a, a career? Mm -hmm. um, or are you going to just freelance? And even that, how can you make a living? So it's kind of sad. I hope this, it, reverses and maybe with things like that happening um, to make a statement but I don't know yeah, yeah. Alex is is the vocation of photojournalist gone yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was like there I was at that no so that, then what I mean by that is that I think that the idea of being a one-trick pony is, is in this in this area is probably is probably over I mean I think that we you know, we look at these specialties, but but we saw this in video as well. There's this thing called a predator, you know, which is a producer editor, and these are people that you would send out in video um, that were, you know, so at first it was like you'd send out a whole team, and then it just became these predators that you would send out, and they would shoot all the images, and then they would they would uh, you know edit it all, and they'd send it to the network, and it would all be done. You know, and, and these guys instead of they usually just shoot footage and send it back and then have it have somebody cut it up and and get it all edited. But then they found that they could find these people that did it. And so I think that there's an evolution of what we're looking at where, you know, we 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 we're not. It's not that photojournalism per se is gone, but that photojournalism as the only thing that you do is gone. And the reality is is that in these old magazines and and. You know, we should enjoy magazines and newspapers for, you know, the, the print versions for as long as they last, which is probably less than 10 years. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, I, I don't want to be like, like, but, but you know, unless you're an art magazine and you're, you know, catering to 50 and above, you know, there's not really going to be anyone wa I mean, I watch it with my kids. My kids don't even think, they, they don't even know what to do with paper and, and magazines, you know. And so, so the, um, uh, that's not going to exist. The, the, the interesting thing is, is that most of us that are bloggers, we naturally, we write. We take photos. We think about those articles. We figure out what we're going to do. You know, so the thing is, is that the, the next generation is already occurring. The next generation are people who care about photography, but they also care about it as, you know, they're going to CES and covering CES. They're not bringing a team with them. They're writing the blog posts. They're taking the photos. They're, you know, and, and is it as good right now as it as it used to be? Maybe not. And the design wasn't good in the early 90s when I got into Photoshop. The design was not nearly as good as it was in the 80s because yeah, all of us had no idea what we were doing. And there's like, you know, white space was all over the place and there were errors and there was all kinds of things. I mean, I did I did my share, my fair share. But the thing is, is that out of that grew a whole new different kind of designer that could do things that you could never do in the 80s. And I think that what we're in that evolution where we're moving from one type of, of media journalist to another type. You know, a media journalist that is that is going to be able to take all those, you know, take those photos. They're going to take all the lessons, and they're going to get really good at photography. But they're also going to understand how to do creative writing and how to do narrative writing and how to do news journalism and, and all of that stuff. And it's going to be one person that understands that. And I yeah, think in video, the end, video and audio too, right? Yeah, I call video, that audio. Yep. Yeah, like and I call it the multimediographer. That's the, the multimediographer. Exactly. And and. And I think that I think that in some in I think that down the road you end up with more integrity in the in the uh, the actual story that they're putting together, because they're doing all of it. They're cooking all of that up together. Now they may work in teams when the project is so big, but all of them have that that similar conversation. Um, and I have to admit that I come from a you know I, I've always been kind of a jack of all trades. You know, ace of nothing. You know, you know I 
I've always done lots of lots of different things, you know, whether it's, you know, sometimes in front of the camera, sometimes I'm behind the camera, sometimes I'm taking, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, shooting with the camera, sometimes I'm doing the audio. I mean, I think that it's important. You have a much different understanding of, of how that process works. Uh, so I think that, that we're, we're in that evolution at the moment. And, and I, th I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think, I think that people are holding on to the past, which is what they do. Um, but I think that, that the past is still going to go away no matter how tightly they hang on to it. It's just not there's there is no future, you know, in being only that thing. Now it doesn't mean that there's no there's no photographers. There's just no future in being you know in journalism. I think that there's you know we're five years away from having almost nobody unless you are stunningly good at what you do. There'll still be a handful of people that are doing just photojournalism or just photography. You know, you know, but you have to be really good at what you do, um, or you have to be doing a bunch of different things. Yeah, yeah. and what what um, magazine is going to be able to afford them? I mean, if they're not selling subscriptions, it's only online. Well, I think that you know there there are people who are making a lot of money. I mean, you know, there's people who make a lot of money on YouTube. You know, like we yeah. we think about you know it's not that nobody's making money. You know, it, it, it's you know there are people making millions on on YouTube, you know, because they found some vertical that I don't even understand. I'm too old to understand it. I, I I'm like I, I watch some of the stuff on video. I mean, I, there's some stuff on on YouTube that I definitely understand. Um, you know, like uh, kid snippets. Have you guys seen kid snippets? Anyway? No, I haven't seen that. So funny. I totally get that. Like I totally get that. And they have millions of views, and those guys, I'm sure are making a really good living doing what they do it's a little absurd but it's funny um, but anyway but the point is is that uh, I think that there are all these new businesses that are occurring there are definitely people I think more people are making money than in the past you know I don't think that they're all making as much money as they did I think that the future of a lot of this is photographers making you know like these really high-end you know, uh, publications maybe are, you know, making less. But if you look at BuzzFeed or if you look at Mashable yeah. or if you look at, I mean, these are big, in some ways, bigger media um, than what we saw in the past in print. You yeah. know, they're, they're worth more. They're making more. You know, it's not that there's no money in that. It's just that in the transition, there's a point where there's not any money being made by the new industry. And the old industry looks at it like, well, how do I get into that? You know, and then, and then suddenly all the business is over there. You know, we're going to see, you know, and we've already seen that with music, um, you know, print, uh, you know, like newspapers and so on and so forth. Video and film and TV are probably next. But, yeah. but you know, we're going to see that transition to a kind of a, I think, a wider business model, you know, where more and more people are involved, but not everyone's making, you're not going to see very many people who are making tens of millions of dollars. You may see some that are making millions and lots that are making a living. Um, but I think more people will be making a living doing some kind of multi, being a multimediographer uh, than than what we had in the past. I, I mean, in, in reality, and I think that a lot of them have an opportunity to do it on their own. They can yeah, go because out, they, all the the wiring is there now. Like in the past, like Valerie, I want to put it to you. Like in the past, you know, you you showed your evolution from <clears throat> shooting film, and then you were doing client-based work. And now you're digital and you're, for all intents and purposes, what I call the creative solopreneur, mm -hmm. where you're out there, you're running your own business, you're making a good living doing this, doing something that you love doing, and you're not beholden, if that's the right word, to any corporate overlords that you have to show up Monday morning to do a staff meeting or anything with, right? Oh, absolutely, and, and the reach is limitless now. I mean, you know, we used to have to work locally, uh, and, and now you, with little strategy and, and uh, some marketing skills, you can reach 
anywhere, any yeah. you know, anyone, uh, for sure. Um, no, and and uh, and I'm not saying we need to reverse everything either. I just I just feel like for here, um, the photography, if it's being crowdsourced, as it is becoming now, is going to suffer, and the images that are going to tell stories are not going to be as impactful. And I think by removing, you know, the photographs in the paper, they made that statement that, I mean, look how important the photographs are to the story. So if we start having, you know, crappy iPhone photographs from people who don't know what they're doing, don't know how to, to tell a story for a specific um, event or whatever, um, it's going to suffer. The but whole story will suffer. I think the only thing that would have been apples to apples on this is not take the photos out, but reflect, you know, try to find photos, yeah. and, you know, that that were done with crowdsourcing and yeah. replace those, that you know, so run all the stories you're going to run and go out on 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 the web and try to crowdsource it. And if you really want to be fair, tell everyone, hey, we're going to crowdsource the next the next issue, which would have been the exact opposite thing. You know, and and we'll pay you a little bit of money for your photos. You know, to 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 go out and take photos. We're looking for photos of this, and we, you know, go, you know, follow us on Twitter. We'll tell you what to go shoot next. And it'd be, I'd be very, very interested to see whether people thought that that was a huge drop in quality versus what they were getting before, because what they're giving up, of course, is a person that has done this for years and years and years. But what they're gaining is hundreds of people at a location that that might give them something an, an interesting look. And um, and so I think that that is the that would have been a more accurate view of of really what you're giving up. You're not really going from a professional to nothing. You're going from a professional to something. And for the consumer, do they care? I think that's the hard yeah. part. A lot of us will sit there and go, "Oh, that's a that's a crappy photo." Yeah. I don't know if my wife or my mom or my kids would know the difference. They yeah. just want to see the they just want to see what happened. So it sounds like from what you guys are saying that things are sort of bifurcating out. So we're seeing news traditional news outlets either wither away and die or be transformed into something else like a verge or a you know mashable or whatever and sort of take on wings that way but then there's also the multimediographer that is a one man band news gathering machine or content creation machine that's out there and doing cool things and then the third piece of it is the crowd so we're saying okay the like in the things that weren't possible before, like the Boston bombings that happened, right? So now we've got all these people out there that are covering the event from every conceivable angle with their cell phones and dumping all that footage on news outlets for them to sort through it. Who cares if the photos are great? We're covering the event, and we're getting terabytes of data in from that particular event rather, rather than just one photographer out there getting his eye view of what happened. Is that is that fair, you guys think? Yeah, and who knows? I mean, some uh, some new talents may emerge who would have never got a job as a photojournalist, and uh, yeah. and maybe they just have an iPhone and they have amazing storytelling skills, and and their images will will definitely be winners. Um, so I'm not saying that the crowd cannot provide quality work. It's just that we're just going to have to weed through a lot of a oh. lot of stuff to get the the good storytelling images. Right. And I think that for me, I think one of the things that really turned me in this was long before it started to go away was that I was in uh, I was in Zimbabwe in 2000 and right during the elections, the big elections that changed kind of everything in Zimbabwe. And CNN was CNN International was down there shooting what I was experiencing. So I had this unique position where I was 
watching on TV exactly what was happening literally a block from where I was standing. Wow. And and the difference in the reality versus what I saw on TV was so different that I think I, I at that point, really didn't stop believing or really, in some ways, respecting <laughs> you know, the, the videographers the, and the photojournalists that were taking pictures. I didn't believe anything anymore. What they yeah. did is they, they took these cameras and they, they found some people and gathered them together and they pulled the camera up high so they'd look down on a handful of people. And they're showing them all dancing and cheering, you know, winning the election. But if I looked out, all I saw was an empty street. Everyone was afraid of what was going to happen next. That was, I mean, you could hear a pin drop, except for this one little area where the CNN had kind of gathered people up because they saw a camera and lights and they kind of came up and started doing their thing. And I really got, I think that we talk about that, you know, that of, of them getting all those stories. But the problem is, is a lot of times they're creating, they're manufacturing the story. You know, it's a good photo. But it's not really when you are a, you know, in, in East Africa, um, uh, white people are are referred to as mzungus, and uh, we kind of call ourselves mzungus at times. Yeah, I gotta make a note of that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah, mzungu, and, and and it actually it's really almost any foreigner, but a white white people call it mzungus, and, and and it's the I think the direct translation in Swahili is wandering aimlessly. So anyway, so I don't know. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Anyway, so that but, describes 90% of the United States. <laughs> exactly. That's a pretty good description of Mzungu. But but the thing is, is that you know, a lot of times as an Mzungu, if I'm sitting, if I walk into a little village, I'm not going to know what actually happened. And anything I do with my camera is not going to is not going to reflect what reality is there because I'm not able to blend in. You know, I'm not and, and I'm not able to blend in because of this, this color of my skin, but I'm also not able to blend in because of my culture and my language and a whole bunch of other things. Whereas those kids and those, you know, teenagers and some of the people that are living there who have phones, they're going to take photos that are, ga- are capturing something that I can't capture. You know, and so I think that that is I think that's an opportunity that we're going to have as we move forward where we now I think that what is necessary is lots of training and a lot of support and a lot of guidance on what makes that photo great and what makes that, you know, and, and, and so I think there's an opportunity to empower people to take photos um, that, that really tell that story exactly what Valerie's talking about is, is, is I think that it's having people really understand what it takes, but I think that there's something so powerful about someone that's in the mix of it that is part of that mix, taking the photos in a way that a photographer I just don't think is capable of doing a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good no, point. All right, guys, before we, uh, we continue with the listener Q&A, I want to uh, thank our second sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments, feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives, but what we don't thing to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. 
in this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business wise is run using FreshBooks and I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid all that stuff you know their tagline is it 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 says you know let me read it here it says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster and that's exactly what it did for did for me i had a stack of things that i had to do you know people to reach out to to you know, bug about getting paid or all these different things. And once I imported everything into FreshBooks, it basically said, okay, Frederick, yeah, we got this. And they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. All right, let's jump into this listener Q&A. Let me read this one. It's from John Jones. It says, I have a background in the ad industry and have worked as an art director for a number of years. I've decided I've directed shoots and bought top dollar stock photography for agencies and clients. In the recent years, I've been getting more and more into photography, specifically uh, posed shoots and landscapes. I can't get my head around street photography from a legal standpoint. He's hearing more and more interviews of established street photographers and now have checked out a few podcasts that feature street photographers. I don't know what he might be talking about. Uh, Some of whom mention their tactics for getting the shots without the subject's knowledge, Valerie. And the whole time I find myself, how is that legal or, or is it legal? How is this not a massive window for a lawsuit, especially if uh, the photographers are publishing books or selling their images? Valerie, <laughs> the perfect person for this. So, yeah, why isn't I've seen he on you be selfie in Paris? <laughs> you know, so how do you how do you answer this question? Well, first of all, uh, well, I'm not a lawyer, but um, it, it sounds like he may be in the U.S. and uh, but he's coming from a commercial background. So I mean, these are two different things. Uh, we shoot street photography for ourselves for editorial purposes only, fine arts possibly, but. That's about it. I mean, I'm never going to sell to a stock agency or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we ask model releases? Because that would completely kill the moment, and um, and that would just totally it wouldn't make any sense. Um, yeah. I I wouldn't sign a release if I was walking down the street and you know somebody with a you know a camera came to me and said, oh, can you sign this release? I just took a picture of you. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't sign it. Um, and uh, if you're in a public place and the subject's in a public place, you, you have you have all the rights to take their picture. I mean, we're under surveillance all the time. And people are walking around with those little clip-on cameras now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're, you're being photographed all the time. It's all about respect. And, and it's more difficult in some countries than others. I mean, in France, definitely, uh, there is the, the right of privacy. But if you do it in a respectful manner, you don't attract too much attention to yourself, um, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah. You're not going to sell that photograph to a, to a magazine or anything. And I think we just, we need to be out there recording 
imagine if there hadn't been any street photography from Cartier-Bresson, from Douaneau, from uh, all the, 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 the fathers of, of street photography, we would be missing so much. Yeah. And so now it's the job of the street photography to the street photographer to do it right. And not everything qualifies as a good street photograph. I mean, you have to tell a story. You can't just snap pictures of people in a crowd and call it street photography. Uh, but telling a story, being respectful, um, and if we all follow those simple rules, um, you know, and if, if somebody sees you and, and, uh, and ask you what you're doing, just just tell them what you're doing. A lot of people mm -hmm. just don't even know what street photography is and tell them you're working on a project, you're recording life in New York City or in Paris and most people are going to be totally fine with it. Um, and if, if they have a problem with it, then you know you make the decision. Do you want to delete the picture or not? And that's totally up, you know, I think it's on a case-by-case -case basis anyways. So. Yeah, yeah, and it, like you said, it's it's a lot of it's common sense. Like, Exactly. Don't be taking pictures of other people's children and, you know, significant yeah. others and just stupid stuff like, or government facilities, yeah. you know, those kind of things quickly can get you uh, in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I take lots of pictures of, of textures, you know, I'm, I'm doing 3D research sometimes and I'm taking pictures and I, I found this incredible brass, you know, this brass texture with all this detail on this, on this wall and I was taking these photos of it, like a lot of photos at different angles and trying to get the light and just trying to... And I hadn't really totally thought out that I was taking pictures of the deposit area for a bank. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like I was oh, like so into yeah. what I was doing. I was just like just kind of taking all these photos. And this guy, the security guy, came out and he was not amused at all. <laughs> and, uh, and and he said, "You need to give me your film." And I was like, "I'm not going to give you my film. I'm standing on public. I'm you know I'm on a public space." And he's like, "No, no, you have to give me the film." I said, "You go talk to your manager." And he went and talked to his manager. And I was like, "I'm out of here." So anyway, so it was. Uh, it's uh, funny because you get more, you get in more trouble for photographing public property than you do photographing people. I've been asked by security guards here in Minneapolis in the Skyway system, uh, because we shoot in the Skyway when it's you know below zero Fahrenheit, um, to to leave. And I said, well, I'm just photographing people that walk by. I said, no, 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 but you're photographing the structure of the building. I'm like. No, I'm photographing the people. Yes, but you can see the structure behind them. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And, and so you run more into that kind of uh, uh, problem in the U.S. and actually than I have anywhere else. Um, but there are also ways, some creative ways, to photograph people without revealing their identity. And actually, I just wrote an article that should be published next week on DPS about that, how to, to be creative. And a lot of people are a little afraid to get really close. And and they don't want to show the, the face of the people. And that kind of stops them from trying street photography. But you can be so creative with, um, with silhouettes, with shadows, with a more minimalist approach, where you have, you know, the lens, the, the the urban landscape, and then a, a very small human element. So there are so many ways you can do this while not revealing the identity of the subject. If that's something yeah. he wants to try, you know, he may want to. We'll have to uh, to link the article when it when it comes out. Um, ways to try a different approach. Yeah, I love it. So last question here. So uh, and this is for both of you guys on this topic. So that that's all good, Valerie. I understand that. The Alex, I want you to take this first, and you, Valerie. So say you're out, you're in Paris, you're in London, whatever. You're doing street photography, and you somehow get the shot of a lifetime, you know. And you throw it up on your Facebook or Flickr or wherever, and someone sees it, and they're like, 
I want to buy that photo or I want to license that photo from my next ad campaign and I've got a hundred grand in my budget to give you for this photo and it contains a bunch of people whom you don't have model releases for. What are your options, Alex? What do you think? What would you do? I, I actually think that, I think legally, I think you're pretty exposed there. And I don't think that most people would offer you $100,000 if you didn't have model releases. I mean, I don't, I don't you know, maybe the, they might be a little edgy, but I think that a lot of them would be very, you know, for an ad campaign that they're spending millions on, um, there's been a lot of settlements, I think, already in the past, in the near, <laughs> in the not too distant past with subjects that don't, that haven't been released. I think that's different. Now, if you're going to go, sell a book with it in there or you're going to do fine art with it and sell it as a as a print i think that's a completely different legal realm and also if, you, if you're going to take something that's going to go into the news so photojournalism those are all things that and you might get a hundred thousand dollars if it's going to be put into i know this sounds crazy but once it, in the united states once it's put into a news journal even the inquirer you know at that point all the permission stuff goes away mm. but if it's if it's for an ad campaign the, the issue is, in, you know, in the United States, the First Amendment is all-powerful. So once you say it's news or and it's or artistic expression, it's very complicated to block it. But once you make it commercial and you make it a thing, I don't think that without a model release, I think you're you're. I don't think that anyone's going to give you that kind of money without a model release. And I think if you take it, there's a whole world of hurt there on the other side if, oh, if the person sees it. Yeah. Valerie, what yeah. about you? It's what actually, would you do in that for, for people, it's a model release and a signature from a witness. I mean, it's, and, and it's not a model release from your phone app. It's, it has to be written, and it's, yep. very, um, it's very specific. And, yeah, no stock agency will even take anything that doesn't have a model release of, of recognized recognizable people. Now, I, I just shoot straight for me and to, you know, to use the images for teaching and so forth. So um, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even care. I just, uh, if it was the, if it was such a beautiful image, then it would sell as fine art and I'd be okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, TWIP listeners, if you want to learn more about that stuff, um, and you, uh, who's the, the listener that put this, John Jones, our friends Ed Greenberg and Jack Resnicki have been on This Week in Photo before talking in depth on copyright. In fact, I have another interview with them that will be going live in a couple of weeks where they sort of updated a couple of things. But you can check out their book. It's called The Copyright Zone, I believe it is. Um, so yeah, get it, get that on, on Amazon or just Google it and get it from wherever you can. And it goes into the nuts and bolts in an easy, approachable way for photographers on questions just like this: What, where am I exposed? Where, sh where can I shoot? Do I need a model release? Don't I need one? All that stuff. They cover it all. So definitely check it out. And send your questions to a Street Focus. Absolutely, yeah. Network. Valerie, now that you mentioned that, where is Street Focus located? <laughs> At this week in photos slash street. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, and TWIP, TWIP listeners, if you'd like your question answered on the show, just visit our website and click on the submit a question link. And you can also you can send us a message or you can record it and leave us a voice message, and we may actually play it on the show. So definitely check it out. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week segment. You can pick anything as long as it's related to photography, Alex. I think you should go first because <laughs> you haven't been on the show since what, 2002 or something? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Something like yeah. that. I got, I got, I got two little picks. Two little picks. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, one pick is is manual. Have you played with manual at all? Um, 
Manual is a photograph is is a, is a photo app for your iPhone that gives you just about all the manual control you'd want for your phone. So so once you turn it on, you're changing the ISO, you're changing the frame, you know. And there's a couple of them that, but I really like the way the interface kind of puts it all out there and lets you see what you're doing. Um, it's sometimes a little tweaky when you're trying to get the exact setting that you want. But um, but I found that that it's just a really great way to you know take over your phone uh, when you're trying to shoot it. I think that this and something like Filmic Pro or the like manual for for still and Filmic for for uh, for filming I think are the two apps that I've kind of started to really play heavily with. I get really I think the photography is great on the new iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, but I find that that the phone is not its automatic adjustments are not great. So I'm I've been really finding my one my myself wanting to do that. The other one is. Uh, <laughs> A great, great book for filmmakers. Uh, Strike the baby and kill the blonde. <laughs> You're just on a roll in the show, Alex. <laughs> strike the baby, kill the blonde. Okay, so so really, what this is, is strike the baby and kill the blonde is 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 talking about all the references of what different. Uh, and I got it on the Kindle. I don't really buy print anymore, but um, it talks about all the terminology in film. So it really tells you, you know, what an AC is and what, you know, um, you know, what a baby is and what a blonde is, which are all lights, um, you know, and uh, or different things like that. So what ADR is and, and what a C, you know, you know, all, all these different things, you know, the, the, the you know, all the uh, things that we yell out while we're on, on set. And so if you're, if you're always wondering what those all are, um, those are, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun little book to read. And it just sounds cool to say it, strike the baby and kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a name. Just, someone thought of that. Someone, you know, there, there was a lot of thinking there in the in the in the in the uh, in the book book uh, club. There, what are we going to call this? It's going to get someone to actually pay attention. So anyway, I think that might have to be the name of this show, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to get some. That's going to get some. I'm listeners. glad I'm not blonde. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm trying to resist, but sometimes my fingers just go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Great tips, Alex. I appreciate that. And Valerie, what are, what's your pick? Uh, it's the Out of Chicago Photo Conference. A registration just opened today, and it's the second year, and it's it was so successful last year. I wasn't able to participate, but I'm a speaker this year, alongside uh, Brian Peterson, Thomas Lotard, Mary Lanyo, um, Elia Lucardi. So a lot of uh, well-known photographers and street photography, architecture, uh, travel. It's mostly about city. And right. a lot of local Chicago photographers. It's a two and a half day um, work um, conference. So you get to to uh, listen to presentations, go on photo walks. We each do small, fo uh, each day photo walk. There are some, uh, um, there are the Friday workshops as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's it's by um, our friend Chris Smith, who uh, put that together, and uh, was so successful last year that actually this year it's a day longer than it was last year, and he asked me to be one of the speakers, so I'm excited. And it's the last weekend in uh, June, and if you listen to Street Focus episode 16, you'll get an extra discount besides the early bird special, so uh, you have to listen to episode 16. That's coming out this week, and it's Excellent. our Chicago special episode. Excellent. And, you know, I love Chicago. That's my hometown. So cool. very cool. And All it's right. out of Chicago.com, I believe. And Thomas Luthard, you've had him on Street Focus as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he's actually coming back uh, as my uh, co-host for my Q&A episode next time. I figured it was more fun to uh, to have a co-host than just to talk to a microphone myself. So, by yeah, myself. So you are so getting into that show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. All right. Uh, all right. Cool. So my pick is this book. It's called New York Through the Lens by Vivian Gutswa. Look at that. I don't know if you can see that, guys. Oh, so New beautiful. York Through the Lens. And this this is, you know, I know Vivian. She's been on This Week in Photo as a guest before as well. Amazing photographer, very down-to-earth woman that just looks at New York and sees a different New York than the rest of us see. Which is just, and you look at it through, you know, I follow her online and I see her work. I'm like, I was standing there. I did not see that. <laughs> she just shot. But she's captured them all in this book. And it's published by, I think, um, uh, who is this published by? Ibex, I believe it is. But, yeah, definitely definitely check it out. And uh, we'll put a link to the Amazon page for it in the show notes. But I've been trying to get into, Alex, I know you don't like these print books like this, you know. But I've been trying to get into more and more of, like, sitting down with a glass of wine and reading tactile things and less digital. And it's a different kind of mind experience, you know, that you know, I, 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 I have, long ago. I have I, I have a tactile tactile. I hit this and then I go like that. It's very tactile for me. I just keep on going like that. It's I have a page curl. Look at the animation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's gonna be a day when they're like, What what is that? I was always wondering what that effect's from, you know, like I don't understand. I know, what does that mean? The little curly thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you laugh now. You, you remember your son was asking you what a CD is. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Not only did he not know not what know what a CD was, he didn't understand why you wouldn't download it. You know, like wow. like he just like it just I don't understand. Like it was just the confusion on his face. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> does not compute. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at the end of the show, guys. This has uh, been an amazing first episode of This Week in Photo for 2015. I want to thank our sponsors for their support. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on over here. Valerie, where can the audience go to connect with you, sign up for your workshops, follow you, all that good stuff? Uh, everything is linked to my website at valeriejardinphotography.com. All in one word, that's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N photography.com. I also have a direct link to the podcast. So. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And a very nice <laughs> podcast it is, if I do say so. Yeah, we're, it, it's, thanks, everyone, for all the great reviews. It's just awesome. It's, yeah, I know. You got tons of great reviews in and there. And I'm getting screenshots from uh, iTunes reviews from other countries. Now people are sending me screenshots from Germany and Australia because you only see the ones in your country. So, uh, So it's just been really fun. Yeah. 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 Well, congratulations again. I know I tell you that all the time, but congratulations. <laughs> thanks. Oh. All right, and Alex Lindsay, the globe-trotting multimediographer. Where can people go to connect with you? You know, Twitter's probably the easiest one. Um, you know, so it's uh, uh, t uh, Twitter is uh, just Alex Lindsay is 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 there. Um, so that's probably the easiest one. G plus as well. Um, but I post I put you know my quips are mostly on Twitter. Um, uh, of course, you can go to pixscore.com. We haven't changed it in a long time. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get around. I've been really busy. So anyway, yeah. so the. Um, uh, but but that's the best way to keep in track. I mean, I, I generally I'm still like an old-fashioned Facebook person that if you if you friend me and you 
have a regular picture of yourself. You don't have like some weird avatar or, or something that's obviously not you. Uh, I'll usually find you back. I, I don't really have, you know, I never looked at my Facebook as very private. I don't look at anything that I do online as private. So so uh, you, you can find me on Facebook as well. And then also on G+, of course, uh, Alex Lindsay. There's one with my picture and one without my picture. The one with, with my picture is the right one. The one without my picture is also mine, but I don't use it for G+, so it won't do you any good. I never got it. it. Yeah, I would love it if they uh, made a tool for us to somehow manage those kind of, you know, I call them Dingleberry accounts that we just right. want to get rid of. <laughs> just like hide them. Well, I can't get rid of it. It's like my Pixelcore one, and I don't want to, but I don't use it for that. I use it for other things, and and so it's it's complicated. It's yeah. Complicated. So you're still active on G Plus, huh? How's that? Is it, you're still comfortable over there? I still post some stuff on G+. I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I like the format there, um, you know, um, but, I, 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 but I spend time on the, the, you know, the four that I probably hit at least once a day are G+, and Facebook, and Twitter, and LinkedIn. So, I, you know, those are the kind of the four that I kind of check in the morning while I'm having my, my morning coffee or breakfast or whatever, and, and I, uh, you know, just kind of make sure that I keep track of it, and then I go on and do my thing. So yeah. it's, uh, and you know, when I'm angry, you know, you'll, you'll get more of my angry quips on Twitter. <laughs> more, it's usually my, or something that I think is really funny. So those are the yeah. two things. And and uh, Twitter's more safe because I can, you know, you know, it's it for me it's more safe because my, you know, I don't I don't my family doesn't follow me on Twitter at all. So so that my but if I put it on Facebook, oh, I get a lot of. Everybody sees it. No, you didn't mention Instagram in there. No Instagram. You know what's funny is is that I never really got into Instagram. I, I this year I'm gonna try to get into Instagram. I you know my my whole thing is I don't like the little square pictures. I'm like if I'm gonna take a bunch of pictures, I don't want it to be small and square. So so then I, then it became this thing. And in the early days, if you took something outside of it, it was complicated to get through. So it was more of a mechanics thing that I was like I I don't you know if I'm gonna take a photo, I want everything my iPhone can provide, not some weird little square thing. Yeah. But I should I should really do Instagram. I'm gonna do Instagram this year. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this year, this year is my year. I'm, I'm only yes. like, you know, eight years behind. You know, so. But I, I'll, I'll tell you what I will never do. I can say this with a high degree of certainty. Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not doing it, man. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, I just think that this is. I think. And I think this is. This is pertinent to Twip. Is that I don't think that that people should post anything online that they don't expect to be public. You know, like, I just think there's, like, a whole little world. Like, when I want look people posting stuff on Secret, or, you know, I, I played with that for a little while, and then it was so weird that I just got rid of it. I was just like, oh, I don't even want to know anymore. But but it was like, but the, the, the interesting thing about it was, I was like, do you really think that that's going to stay secret? You know, like, I just want to make sure, like, like do you really think so? Because you're saying some pretty weird stuff, and eventually someone's going to do exactly what they did to Sony, and they're gonna put out all everybody's secret. You know, gonna connect everybody to their little secret post. Yep. And I'm like, yep. like, and then there's gonna be like, you know, you know, eight thousand divorces and and one thousand murders and you know, like, like there's a whole bunch. You know, it's like a whole bunch of you know stuff there. You know, and so yep. so I just yep. I, failed failed political careers, all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. no, I just think it's really a safe thing to think about. Is and that's why I, I look at everything I do online. I just like okay, so it's all public. You know, I don't want to. So Snapchat is definitely not one of my. Uh, I, I am interested in Pinterest, but I don't understand it. You know, like I'm, I'm like I'm an, I'm too old and I'm too male. You know, like I don't, you know. I, <laughs> Thank you. Like, I'm glad you said it. I, I don't like it either. My 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 sister-in-law, I think she like makes a lot of money on Pinterest. I mean, she she does a lot of stuff on on um Etsy. Is it Etsy? Is that right? Etsy. 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 
And uh, and she's got a great book. Um, you, if you search for Virginia Lindsay, uh, she's got a book out on on making money on on Etsy, and uh, with crafts. And I can't think of the name of it right now. It's really now I'm gonna be in big trouble. My sister's gonna who listens to the show is gonna be like, I can't believe you forgot Virginia. <laughs> but if you search for Virginia Lindsay, you know. Anyway, so so anyway, um, but but uh, and yeah, she she really understands the whole Pinterest thing, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know how to well, start. At a certain point, it gets to. How many, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before too. It gets to the point where, okay, I got to place my bets somewhere. I don't have time to look after all these networks, right? I think it's better to do fewer and to do it well than to try to do too many and just be right. sloppy. That but is I, a life I, do find, I, I do find that I find I have different personalities in different ones, and so I kind of enjoy the fact that I do certain things on Facebook that I wouldn't do on Twitter. Well, when I do anything on Twitter, it ends up on Facebook, so I don't have to think about it. You know, they're they're yeah. blended together. But I but I do more thoughtful things. I admit on G plus than I do on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so it's I, I don't know if I'll, that'll continue, but that's kind of how I because well, it, it seems to be generational from the informal surveys that I've performed. Um, with most or a lot of I don't want to say most because I have no idea, but a lot of younger people are gravitating towards Instagram and using that as a feeder into Twitter and Facebook. So they don't go into Twitter and Facebook to post specifically. It's all through Instagram and then let let that feed in. So, which you know is not a bad way to go if you want to have one source for them all. You know who knows. Right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you both for coming on. This has uh, been a great episode of This Week in Photo. Again, folks, if you want to visit us, you can hit us up on thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.